couple weeks ago, we asked you to read through chapter 2, and this week I'm going to ask you just to do a little bit more homework and read through chapter 3. Every single day, just set, a, set, set aside about 5, 10 minutes and read through chapter 3 of Luke every single day. A few, week, few weeks ago, we started reading through Luke chapter 2, and we talked about the story of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And Corey challenged us by saying, even though things may not be what we expected, stay the course, because God has a plan. You may not be able to see it, but keep following Jesus, and eventually he will show himself strong. So if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 21 onwards. Luke 2. 21. I encourage you to bring your paper Bible. I encourage you to, to bring a pen and a highlighter as we, as we work through this series. And folks, if you don't have a Bible, I would love to get you one. Just come and find me right after the, after the service. This is the story of the baby dedication of Jesus. And uh, Mary and Joseph, they They're heading towards the temple to present Jesus, similar to to kind of how we bring babies on a Sunday morning and dedicate them to the Lord. And during this dedication, a few people who are a little bit older and a little bit wiser confirm who this Jesus really is. He is no ordinary baby. And this is where we pick it up at verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We'll just stop right there for a second. So... Believe it or not, this verse actually says a lot about Mary and Joseph. It it tells us about their status in society. You remember Luke's intent was to show us that God cares for the outcasts. and, And God cares for those who are rejected. God cares for the lowly. God has this special care for the poor. See, when a child was born, the mother was to bring a sacrifice to the temple, and she was either to bring a male lamb or two turtle doves or two pigeons. And see, not everyone could afford a lamb, and if you couldn't, then you could bring two birds. And here is Mary and Joseph, and they come to bring this sacrifice into the temple, and they bring a pair of doves. And it tells us that their household wasn't very wealthy. Their household wasn't one of great riches. But the household that Jesus is born into is one that is very poor. Here is the Lord of glory, right? The maker of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he chooses or he chooses to be born to a poor family and the tribe of Israel who have a really low status in society. Last year when we were going through the book of Philippians, 
Paul says that Jesus, he emptied himself as a man. And scripture tells us that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. I mean, he was rich, right? He is the Lord of glory. He is the king of heaven. He's in the presence of angels and he's receiving their praise and he, he empties himself out to come to this earth being born to a family who couldn't even afford to bring a lamb for the sacrifice. And so Mary, being poor, brings two birds. She didn't bring a lamb, except she did bring a lamb. She brought the lamb. She brought the lamb of glory as her sacrifice. She brought the best. And because she had Jesus with her, she had everything that she ever needed. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you don't have a lot. And maybe you feel like you're one of these parents, these people who know what it's like to be poor. Maybe you're not from some royal lineage and, and maybe you feel as though you don't have any type of status in society. Maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to offer. I want to remind you this morning that with Jesus in your life, you have everything that you need. You can be part of this royal lineage, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You can have popularity and fame in this world, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You can have all of the riches in this world, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. But you can have none of these things, but if you have Jesus, then you have everything that you need. Verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, you might want to underline that. That's another one of our themes, just this overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. Three times the Spirit is mentioned in regards to this man named Simeon. That's the first, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Spirit, that's the second time, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, that's the third time, he went into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and blessed God. And he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. Here's a man named Simeon, and, and we don't know a lot about this man. But we do know that he's advanced in years. He's a little bit older. We know that he's righteous. We know that he's a devout man. We know that the Holy Spirit is on this man. And he is looking for the consolation of Israel. Here's a man who is so spiritually in tune with God 
And his entire life, he held on to the promise of the coming deliverer. He held on to the promise of the coming Messiah. He held on to this promise that the Messiah was going to come. And he was the hope of all of Israel. See, at this point in time, things didn't look good for the people in Israel. But the Savior was going to come. And he was going to come. And he was going to make everything right again. The Savior was going to come and he was going to console Israel. He was going to bring hope where there was no hope. This is what Simeon was looking forward to his his entire life. See, if Simeon is this older man, then he has seen a whole lot in his lifetime. He's seen a lot of difficulty, seen a lot of Hardships. In fact, he may have seen some atrocities in Jerusalem. As a boy, he probably watched Rome come and conquer that city that he loved and lived in, in Jerusalem. He, he would have been much younger when he watched Rome take over their land and become rulers of the place that they were living in. Pompey, who is this Roman general, he came... And he massacred the Jews. And Simeon would have seen this, but in spite of all of that, he still held on to this hope that the Messiah was coming. He held on to this hope that that one day he would see the Lord's deliverer, and one day he was going to see the Savior. And in spite of all of this pain that he has experienced, in spite of all of the suffering that he has had, in spite of all the problems that he faced in his life, he had this hope of seeing the salvation of the Lord. And I want to ask you this question this morning, do you have that hope? I mean, when you look around at the problems in our society, when you, when you think about the issues that you're facing, when you think about the problems that you're dealing with, do you have this hope that one day the salvation of the Lord is just going to come and make everything right? Do you have this hope that Jesus is going to return and when he does, he's going to make everything right in this world again? Do you hold on to this hope that you will one day have the opportunity to see the salvation of the Lord in your family? Do you hold on to this hope that one day you will be with Jesus? Now Simeon says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon says, Jesus is a light of revelation, a light of revelation. You know, when you turn on the light in a dark room, The light reveals a mess, doesn't it? The light reveals the mess that the darkness is trying to hide. When you ask Jesus into your heart and into your life, and when you begin to live for Jesus, he becomes this bright, shining light inside of you, and he will reveal the mess. You know what else light does? Light calms our fears, doesn't it? When your kids were scared of the dark and you walked into the room and you turned on the light, it calmed our fears. 
it calmed their fears. And I want to ask you this morning, are you open to having Jesus be the light in your life? Are you open to him saying, you need to deal with this bitterness here? Are you open to Jesus saying, hey, you need to deal with this unforgiveness over here? Are you open to Jesus saying, listen, you need to deal with your sin today? Are you open to Jesus revealing the mess? I mean, he wants to be the light of your life, no matter how messy things look for you, because he's the only one who can help you clean it up. Verse 33. His father and his mother were amazed at the things that were being said about him. Earlier in chapter 2, we're told that Mary hid all of these things in her heart, these these things about the birth of Jesus and and who this Jesus really was. I mean, after all, who's going to believe her? And now this older man comes to her filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks to this young couple and says, I see the light of salvation. And Mary and Joseph, they are shocked. I mean, they really didn't tell anyone about who this Jesus was, but Simeon knew who this Jesus was. And he calls out exactly what the angel told Mary earlier. And his words to this young couple start off as really encouraging. Then he has some tough words to say to them. This is what he says in verse 34. Simeon blessed them. And then he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon says, look, here here is the Messiah. And and he is the hope that all of us have been waiting for, but he's going to be the most loved and the most hated person ever. And then he says, and Mary, your heart is going to break. And her heart would break as she's standing beneath the cross watching her innocent son dying. He says, Mary, you're going to suffer as though there's a sword that's piercing through your heart. He says to Mary and Joseph, this this Jesus will bring light to the darkness. He's going to bring salvation to so many people, but when he comes... He's going to bring a whole lot of division. And this is true of Jesus even today. He is loved by so many people in this room. And he's loved by so many people around the world. And at the same time, he is so hated by so many people. I mean, his name still brings anger to some people. And it's because they only know Jesus as this rule maker. They only know Jesus as this mean God or this angry God or this really cruel God. They they only associate Jesus with all of the problems 
that they're dealing with and all the problems that they're facing. They, they know Jesus as somebody who's far away and distant. And Simeon, Simeon says, Mary, some will fall because of this Jesus. And some will rise because of this Jesus. You know, the reason why so many people hate Jesus today It's because they don't know Jesus the way you know Jesus. Some of you are here today, and man, you know Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And some of you are here today, and you know him as the provider for all of your needs. And and you know him as the healer of your diseases. And you know Jesus as your best friend. And, And there are some people, I believe, in this room who, man, you know Jesus as the Savior, the one who has taken your sin and forgiven you completely. And he has pulled you out of the fiery flames of hell. Some will fall because they don't know Jesus the way you know Jesus. Verse 36, and there's a prophetess named Anna. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, and she never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayer. And at that very moment, she came up and she began giving thanks to God and continued to speak to him to all of those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. In verse 40, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. You remember from chapter 1, we learned that Luke is interviewing Mary. That's how he's getting all of this information, which means that Anna is such an important part of this story. Anna makes this important impression. She makes this impact on the life of Mary. Here's another person who's advanced in years and she had a difficult life being a widow and yet she praises God. Yet she is found in the temple giving thanks and glory to God. She's advanced in years and some scholars say that she's maybe around 100 years old, 102 years old and there she is in the temple praising God. And in spite of life's difficulties for her, being advanced in years and being a little bit older, she continued to speak to those about the redemption that was coming. She, she continued to speak to those about the hope that was already here. She was continually speaking to those who were looking for the Savior. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you, you ever feel like throwing in the towel? You ever feel like, you know, this, this Christian walk, this is just too hard. I mean, what, do you, what do you do in those times? I mean, do you, do you turn to those vices from your past? Or do you continue to praise God? I mean, when life gets tough, do you continue to worship the Lord? Want to know what happens when you praise God? When you begin to praise God, you begin to focus on Jesus and not on your problems. When you begin to praise God, all of a sudden your problems begin to dissolve. 
When you begin to praise and worship the Lord, it begins to take your mind off of your circumstances and put your mind where it should be focused on Jesus. You know, when I, when I think about Simeon and Anna, I feel like their life is so challenging. And here's the challenge for everyone here this morning. Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you pouring your life into who, who may be around half your age? Who are those people? Here are some older people. They go to the temple and they're speaking to this young couple. If you are in your 20s or in your 30s, I want to tell you that our teens look up to you. You have life-changing Holy Spirit words that they need to hear. If you are over 40, I want to tell you that our young adults need to hear from you. They need you to speak to them in truth and in love. They need you to speak into their lives. We have some young parents here who need to hear your life story and how God helped you raise your children. We need you to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that you begin to prophesy into our lives. That's what we need. No matter how harsh the words may be. Here's the other challenge for us. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? And for those of you who may be advanced in age and feel like your time has come and gone, I want to remind you, carry your cross to the finish line. Continue to speak with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Speak truth in love to us because we need to hear your voice. You are important to us. Seek the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life and ask him to give you words to speak to a dying generation. God wants to use you in ways that you have never been used before, but you've got to seek the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm going to close with this this morning. Here's a section of scripture where two people advanced in their years make a great impression on a young Mary and Joseph. And here is Simeon. He is moved by the power of the Holy Spirit to go to the temple and he finds Mary and Joseph there and he looks at this baby Jesus and the Holy Spirit says to him, this is the one And he begins to praise God, and he says, this Jesus, this Jesus is the light, and my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And then Simeon says, Mary and Joseph, listen, some would fall, and some would rise because of your son, Jesus. And it's because with Jesus, there's no neutral ground with him. With Jesus, there is no neutral ground. You either accept this Jesus and begin living for him, 
or you totally reject him. And there are some people here this morning and you're looking for consolation and you're looking for comfort and you're looking for purpose and you're looking for meaning in your life and your heart is restless and you're looking for peace and it's because your sins need to be dealt with. You can't deal with it by reading some self-help books. You can't deal with it by listening to a pep talk by a counselor, a psychologist. You can't deal with your sin just by going to church. But your sins can only be dealt with at the cross of Jesus who shed his blood to pay your debt. Your sins can only be dealt with at the cross. So when Simeon looks at Jesus, he immediately knows Jesus is the hope that we have been looking for. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is the hope that you have been looking for. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed.